Welcome to 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, a podcast helping you solve your freelance problems and dilemmas. I'm Katie Carlisle, one of your hosts. I've been freelance since 2013 and I've got my own business, The Wheel Exists, helping people to create lovely websites on Squarespace. I also run a pop-up co-working community called Freelance Folk. I'm your other host, Michelle Pratt of Dive Deeper Development. I'm a freelance business trainer and personal development coach. I help people achieve their goals through developing their confidence and improving their skills. And today on this episode, we're going to be talking about a really common problem for freelancers. In fact, it's actually kind of fundamental to most freelance businesses, and that is getting clients. Yeah, without clients, you probably don't don't have a business. So, um, Katie, I know when you run your pop-up co-working freelance folk, I, I know this is a question you get a lot. What makes this so difficult for freelancers? Well, I think one of the things that makes it tricky when people are starting out is sometimes they're either starting from scratch but in an industry where they've already got experience but perhaps they can't use their previous experience because of confidentiality reasons and so on so even if they've worked doing the same job in a corporate environment they're not necessarily allowed to use all of the experience and portfolio items that they've done in that environment in their freelance life a lot of the time when people go freelance they're actually changing industries as well or making a subtle change to what they're working on so they're actually starting from scratch they don't really have much to show for it and it's that age-old vicious circle that exists in the world of employment as well as freelancing where how do you get new business when you don't have the experience to demonstrate your credibility and your strengths so i think that's one big problem that that people face um, another problem is actually having imposter syndrome which obviously we've talked about in a previous episode and that can be a big hindrance to people getting clients as well I think. I think that was a huge one for me I mentioned it before like when I left that big business I was happy to work on that half that business's name but all of a sudden when you're working on your behalf I think sometimes freelance businesses are more personal you are the name above the door. Oh totally yeah. So that comes into your identity whereas it's quite easy to talk about a product or thing so I think that combination of not being able to draw maybe those past experiences and um, uh, yeah that it's all about you makes it harder anything else that makes it tricky or i think just knowing where to start knowing where to find clients i think um one of the things that i know that we'll be talking about in this episode but one of the things that that i think people struggle with is actually knowing where to focus so sometimes they try and cast a wide net thinking okay well we'll get the widest number of clients but actually if you're trying to be everything to everybody you're probably not going to succeed so actually, I think what makes it hard is the, the desire to reach as many people as possible when you're first starting out. And that can sometimes get in the way of actually what's helpful, which is being quite focused and knowing who your target audience is. And a lot of freelancers when they start aren't necessarily clear exactly who their target audience are, I don't think. So then yeah. it's even harder to find them because how do you find people that you don't know who they are? It's a new skill as well, isn't it? I mean, you might be very skilled at doing the jobs that you do, whether that's web design or marketing or whatever, but finding client marketing or finding clients or business generation is a is a whole new skill that you're having to learn and you've never had to do it before potentially that's so true especially yeah if you if you've just been a graphic designer where someone's just coming to you and saying hey here's a project you're working on yeah you've not necessarily been involved in that that kind of series of, of actions that's had to happen in order for them to get that business you're just doing the work and that is definitely one thing as a freelancer where you've got all of these different hats on and it's quite tricky to then work out okay i have to be a business developer marketer and do sales and everything else social media and actually that's it like you say it's not necessarily a strength for people when they first start out 
It's a, it's a tricky one. So when people, we'll have a look at some methods of getting clients. I mean, when people come to you and ask you that question, where, how do you answer it? Where do we start with that answer, that question? Because people ask it a lot. Yeah, they really do. And, you know, it's it's kind of really paralyzing, I think, for people. Um, and I think there is that temptation to just take on any work that you can possibly get. But I think I would maybe start off by saying, if you can, if there's any way, I mean, obviously you've got to pay the bills, do that first, don't get yourself into debt. For the sake of your pride or anything but if you can be a bit discerning because if you can find the right clients at the start that will set you off on a much better path and get you the kind of portfolio or work evidence and referrals that you'll be wanting rather than you then being stuck working with the kind of clients that you don't want to work with so it's you know can it's more can I afford not to take on work but can you afford not to take on the right clients can you afford to take on the wrong clients because it's actually really hard to get out of that kind of niche if you accidentally fall into it at the beginning um and so i think we're going to talk about today is a couple of different ways of actually getting clients starting with some kind of free and organic ways of getting clients okay which people like free we like free so let's start with the free ways then or, or well are they really free if they take up your time but let's start well yeah that. that is a very good point so yeah so there's no financial or a little financial input but you're right it is all about the time versus money so actually in some cases especially if you don't have that much time then it might be worth spending a bit of money and recognizing that exactly like you say michelle your time is money but what's something that people can start with if they don't have much cash up front to put into the marketing or sales? Yeah, I, I think one of the obvious ones is referrals. So I think when I left a big corporate, I thought, well, that's it, wave goodbye. I didn't, I didn't burn any bridges, I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> but um, I'll wave goodbye and I'll just go off in this direction. But I think a lot of people forget just to tap into their existing network. So I think referrals are a great way of getting business it's a, it's a really tricky one if you don't already have a customer base. So people say, hey, get referrals. You're like, that's great, but <laughs> if you haven't started yet, it's really tricky. But I think even people in your existing network will are able to recommend you to people. So people that you used to work with have perhaps moved on to different companies or they might know someone. So quite simply asking people, who do you know who, um, would be a great way to do it. And that's actually how I got my first client was an ex-colleague of mine who'd also left the organization I was with to go freelance. I just put something on Facebook saying, hey, I'm doing this now, does anybody need a website? And she came to me and said, yes, I really do need a website actually. And she'd worked alongside me, so she knew that I had the skills, um, but she'd done an, an automatic website builder thing with her domain and all her search results were in German and stuff. So it was definitely something that was having a negative impact on the business. And I didn't charge her that much money, you know, like now I've probably charged four times as much as I charged her, but it was so nice having that first client and having somebody, you know, say, yeah, I've got the confidence, I'm going to pay you. And I think once you get one person saying, I'm going to pay you to do this and you know, they're happy with the service that you've provided, I think it can then improve your confidence as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that can come from friends and family as well, as well as former colleagues as well. Yeah. And I, th I think what, what kind of a thing I didn't really get my head around was that those people don't have to have seen you have done the work. Um, I always thought, well, you just pick the best person for the job. I think that's quite naive. People like to work with people they know. So even people you know personally will vouch for your reliability, your work ethic, how trustworthy you are. And actually people will pay money to work with people who they feel safe with um, without who it 
know, who's got the, got the glossiest website or the best testimonials. So that can be really powerful. Yeah, you're right. The process is, is as important, if not more, in some ways than the end result to people. Yeah, so that woman trusted you. I think with referrals, I think um, it's really good. The more specific you can be about what you want and why is really useful. And you said you would have charged more. I would just create some hoops to jump through. Say, look, I'm trying to get this on my CV. I'm just starting out. I'm looking for these kind of people. I'm going to do this kind of work. Who do you know who fits this bill? But I'd also say that, look, in return for doing it cheaper, if you're going down that route, I think that's a debate for another podcast. (laughs) But I would say I would ask for their time or ask for a testimonial or just set up an arrangement where you're getting value back. And, and to make sure the referral uh, works out the way you want it to. Yeah, definitely. And like I think you know, we've talked about, um, like, like you say, the kind of debate about doing free work and everything. Um, and I think, yeah, you're right, that if it's if it's free in inverted commas, it, you, you shouldn't just be getting nothing back from it. So if, yeah, if, they, if they're willing to like, then share something, write a LinkedIn recommendation for you or, or something, then I think that's yeah. definitely worthwhile. Or use them as a case study or something like that. I think that can really help. And just, I think on referrals, the last, we'll, we'll move on from there, but I think um, this is great. Whether you, If you're in business, actually, and you're hitting a quiet period, I think it's a great way to, to, to get business as well, just to proactively do it. I'm terrible. I don't always ask for the testimonials and referrals, but going back to people you've worked with and say, hey, I'm looking to do this. Do you know anyone else who would, who would like to benefit the way you did? Um, it's so easy to do. You normally get really good results. And I've always found I really like working with the people that come for referrals more than just sort of probably through networking, yeah. I think. And depending on the kind of industry you're in, actually, if you're going back to previous clients and asking for referrals or testimonials, they might even come back and say, oh, I'm glad you've got in touch. We've been meaning to contact you for a while because we need a bit more work doing. But actually, existing clients can also be a really good source of extra work. Don't discount them just because they've been done in the past. Like re- recently, Michelle, you had a good experience with that, didn't you? Yeah, definitely. I went back, I was speaking to a friend, and he said that this company you've been working with, they're really entrepreneurial. If you create a new product that they need, they'll, they'll, they'll buy it. And I hadn't even thought about it. And I, I'd recognised a couple of things where, a couple of gaps, if you like, where I could really add value to their business. So I went back and it's not the kind of work I normally do, but I just said, look, I've spotted a couple of products that I think that your clients really, really would value. Um, here's what I've noticed. Here's what I can can design for you. Um, is this something that you would do or could could we look into that? And they came back straight away and went, yeah. And then a day later, here's an email. Here, here, much, here is what we're going to pay you. Here's what we'd like. Job done. And that's a, um, this August is my quietest period. Yeah. So I've got more money this August than I would have last August. Just, just for for asking. And so being a bit proactive as well, yeah. identifying the opportunities. So I think identifying the opportunities is a really good way of doing it. And then I think maybe another thing that I'd say if someone said to me, oh, you know, where can I find clients? Actually start establishing, especially if you don't have a massive portfolio or evidence base, start establishing your expertise. So whether that's through blogging or webinars or Facebook Live. Podcasts. Podcasts, yes, <laughs> absolutely, podcasts. Um, social media. Base or you know maybe free speaking gigs you know there's a lot of meetups for freelancers and small businesses if you've got some expertise that's relevant to them try and get a try and get a slot at one of those meetings they're they're quite often looking for speakers yeah and for looking for content to share to people to make it worthwhile 
same, same with blogging. You can do your own blogging, but what's actually possibly as effective, if not more, is doing guest blogging as well. So I found that really useful. Um, plus it gives you accountability. So it's I, I'm rubbish at doing my own blog posts. I've written like 12 posts ever in like five years because I don't necessarily agree, sort of believe my own deadlines. So I just kind of deprioritize them, which I know I should do. But actually guest blog posts, you know, they say, oh, could we have this post by this date? I've got their deadline. I'm very good at the external accountability. And so that gets written. And then that's still a really useful resource for me. And it gives me credibility to be featured on somebody else's platform. Yeah. So I think if you can, again, find, for example, industry publications or other bloggers or anything, you know, sites that talk about freelancing, um, you know, even on something like freelance folk, I would absolutely consider guest posts from other freelancers if they were doing something which was very much based around knowledge sharing. I think a point around that is actually make sure that you are giving something valuable and not just doing a kind of a sales pitch yeah, in your blog yeah. post. That's not helpful to anybody. But normally the people are happy for you to have a little bit of a bio and link at the bottom of the post. Well, you're doing one for a company that have just started up, haven't you? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's another way of doing it is if you can get in on the ground floor with the kind of startups that have a similar target audience. So um, I'm going to be writing a, a blog post from, um, from freelance folk for um, a banking app for freelancers called Coconut, which I'm just totally in love with. It's amazing and you should all download it. And um, I don't get any affiliate scheme or anything, um, but I just think they're doing a really good job. But actually their target market is freelancers and that's the people I want to reach. So it's a really sensible collaboration because I'm going to be promoting them, they're going to be promoting me. And actually collaborations, I think, are, is a really powerful Thing yeah. to do as well it, it, it's quite a slow burn i think if you do blogging or vlogging but it does work so when i, I a few years ago i did a, a weight loss coaching business i don't do that anymore but i was writing blog posts weekly uh, for about a, over a year and you at first you think that no one is reading them and then i went to some someone's birth, this birthday party and some random woman I've ever met went, oh, I've read your blog posts. I really like them. So you might feel you're, you're speaking into the ether, but <laughs> people people do pick up on it. And when you, you bump into people, you know, they go, oh, yeah, I read that post the other day. So a great way to show it. And I was just thinking, well, I know this stuff. I've got this expertise to share. How... But nobody knows. Yeah. And I think that anything like, yeah, as you say, videos, blog posts, blog posts, e-books, speak, it all helps. So that's a good one. What else, Katie? There's a few other free ones, I think, that people can start off with if they've got more time than, than money. Yeah, well, I think actually just, again, you know, honing in on your target audience and knowing what you want and just being really persistent and, um, you know, following up with them, finding people. I'm not going to go so far as to say totally stalk them, but... I know people that do. <laughs> but, you know, learn about the people that you want to work with. If you can identify specific people you want to work with, you know, follow them on social media, um, you know try and find out what events they're going to and find out what their needs are, have a look at the website, get to know them. And before you pitch yourself to them, actually try and kind of establish a baseline relationship with them. Um, and just kind of keeping going back to somewhere can really help. Um, so I really wanted to make a website for my local um, wine shop and off license and they do kind of events there and stuff. And, um, and so I just, you know, I, I was a customer of theirs anyway, but I made sure that I went along to loads of their events and, and kind of you know followed them on Twitter. And when I was at their events, I made sure to actually tag them on Twitter and, and tag them on Instagram and promote them. And where I live, there's not that many people that kind of really do social media because it's a little village in the Peak District. Um, so 
then I was kind of drawn to, you know, I was put into their kind of attention sphere. And on my Twitter bio, it says what I do. And so then a couple of months later, when they decided they needed a website, I was the first person that they got in touch with. And I think that's the other thing is that you don't, you shouldn't necessarily expect instant results. You know, I've had people that have come to me two years after I've first met them and they've just been waiting until they actually need my services. So don't discount people just because they're they're not kind of coming to you straight away. It can take a while to develop that relationship. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, like you say, it takes a, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a slow burn, but I think it does yield results. So a bit of patience. Um, anything else we'd put under free, do we think? I think. I think I think the only other thing maybe would be about kind of creating free free kind of resources and materials for people um you know that's a good way to build up your mailing list um be smart about it you know don't don't spend hours creating the next novel masterpiece but if you can create something that is you know quick and easy download and it helps to solve a problem that your customers would have again you can start building up a mailing list and that's something that i wish i'd done a bit sooner so i was lucky in that i got clients quite quite easily and quite quickly when i was when i was starting out but then when I wanted to change my focus slightly and branch out to do training more, I realized I needed a wider audience, but I hadn't really been bothered about building up my mailing list and growing my contacts or anything like that because I had clients. But I wish I had actually started gathering people's contact details beforehand so that when I did want to do the training, I could then sort of tell a wider audience about it. You could tell them that it existed. Yeah, and even if they didn't need it, they might know people that do and so on. Yeah, you might hear the word lead magnet if you're if you're new to this. Um and but basically yeah it's writing an ebook, making a survey, people love questionnaires, profiles, um anything a video series or anything that is of value to people and, and genuinely helps them. Yeah. So yeah, great way. Give free giveaway. Just uh, make sure you say you collect the details. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Get something for it. But be GDPR compliant at the same time. That is another <laughs> subject. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's that's the kind of free and low cost methods. Um, we should probably talk about using networks as well, and these can be another great way of getting business. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be a kind of cringeworthy, does it? So like Michelle, how do you use network? Yeah, networks for me. So I use, uh, I do things like fresh walks, um, which is where we go hiking in the Peak District. Now I love that because we're all sweaty and we're all wearing fleeces and hiking boots, so it's a great leveler. But we have genuine interaction with people, and I find that I really just get to know people. And as you say, it's not really about pitching for business. You just start to be inquire about people, and they inquire about you, and they get to know, get a sense of you as a person, and know what you do. And I've had recommendations and referrals off the back of it. Again, I think we're networking you've got to turn up over a period of time turn up consistently and generally contribute you know help people mm. um but people do uh, as i say like to work with people that they know and have met and they like to recommend people that they've known and they've met so i think networking is good i also come to freelance folk your pop-up co-working and again I've, I've got business from there i've met people from there and received a lot of help from there too so i think you've got to pick the right ones um and then once you've found the right ones that work for you i think you've got to turn up consistently and really give before you want to get yeah definitely and i think networking kind of gets a bad name and a bad reputation because it's you know the people who the type of networking groups where you know you turn up and you just thrust a business card into somebody's hand and you tell them what you do and there's almost pressure to do business whereas that's that's not real relationship building that's not growing a sustainable network in my opinion no and i think that a lot of people get 
put off by going to networking groups because of that. But nowadays, there are so many more new and interesting groups that you can go to. And actually, it doesn't even have to be a specific business networking group. One thing that can be really useful is actually going along to kind of industry events or industry forums or even workshops where you can learn something too, especially if your potential customers might also be interested in it. So for example, I might want to go on a workshop to learn more about social media. Well, actually my customers want to learn more about social media too. So by going to that workshop, I'm learning something, but I'm also having a chance to meet them. Uh, back when HMRC did in-person um, tax workshops, that was a brilliant way yeah, to meet yeah. people. Sadly, they tend to now be online. But again, there are other people running accountancy and finance workshops. I'm interested in learning more about that. My clients are GDPR stuff. Again, like lots of th- lots of other ways that you can learn whilst meeting other people. Um, and I also wouldn't I also wouldn't kind of discount networking with your kind of competitors. Yeah, in inverted commas. That's a great way of doing it. I'm I'm part of a trainer group, and you and I I just well why would I network with other trainers that are we not competing for business? But actually, again, I've, they're willing to pass on work that they either can't take on or don't want to take on. Or more recently, I've been contacted by a a guy in my trainer network who's taken on such a big piece of work, he's going to need other people to to deliver it. And he's like, yeah, Michelle, I'll get in touch. I definitely need need your help. So Yeah, and I think that if people aren't precious about kind of competitors and stuff, you know, if you've got enough confidence, I think making friends with other people can also help you because you can then share industry knowledge and tips as well as potentially passing each other clients. So like I do Squarespace, I know people that do WordPress websites and sometimes one of, you know, sometimes someone will be looking for a WordPress person specifically, so I'll pass them over. And likewise, someone might be looking for Squarespace and they'll pass them over to me. And, and so we're kind of not pure competitors and that we don't have exactly the same target market. But I, to be honest, I think most people would struggle to find someone who is exactly the same offering as them. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I don't actually believe in competition um, because I'm just like, you know, there's only one you. There's only one me. There's only one person who is, you know, a woman in her thirties with a background in charities and nonprofits who's doing Squarespace websites for freelancers and charities in the Northwest area. Like, th- like that's it's quite, quite niche. It's quite niche, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think that's that's definitely something to not not kind of discount, um, and then I guess there's the online networks as well. Um, so I know there's a there's a Facebook group called Freelance Heroes, which is quite popular, and people just post po- problems and kind of questions there. But people do post looking for jobs in there as well. Yeah, you got ones like UK Business Circle as well, which is yeah. also very good, very accessible. It doesn't cost that. It's a little bit of money there that one, but that doesn't cost a great deal. And again, there's people at all different kinds of businesses, and they're willing to share their information. So you can get work from those as well. So they're the ones you can do for yourself. So if you're quite new to this, or even if you've been doing freelancing for a while and you just need to tune back into your marketing activity, they're ones that you can do or keep going in the background. There are some slightly quicker routes to market. So let's just have a chat about some of those. So I think sometimes yeah, it can be a bit daunting and just if you still find, feel like you're kind of going up against a brick wall in terms of finding your clients, then there are services out there that can help you to connect with people who are looking for people to do particular jobs. Um, 
so so Michelle, you and I have had very different experiences with some of these kind of third party intermediaries. So t- tell me what how you found these kinds of services. Like what have you used and what was your experience? Yeah, I, I put a health warning on them. Uh, I think they, I know people that have worked them. It's worked for you. I've met other people who have, have started their businesses using these sites. And this is sites like People Per Hour. People Per Hour. Or, or, I think it used to be something with Ninja in it. If it's freelancer, there's a word Ninja in it. Like <laughs> yeah, some of these, yeah, these works, the sites where they connect freelancers with, with potential clients. Um, I, I think the problem I found with it, I went on to a coaching one, so like a directory service. And I think the challenge that I found with it is there's lots of people on there. I think because there's a lot of new people on there, they um, put their pro- they just they share their prices and their prices are quite low, and that encourages people to shop on price. So what I found was that um, people were shopping on price. Now I know that my budget is an issue, but for personal development, you don't. It's a it's, it's it's a cost if you don't get the right one. Uh, it's really you want an investment. You want to pick the right person to work with, but um, it causes people to go for the cheapest or the quickest option, which is not always giving the people what they need. And I wasn't prepared to undercut a lot of the people on there. So there was a bit of an issue there in terms of that the very best people, um, you know just left the site so it it was a race to the bottom I think the other issue is you just ended up with random so anyone walking in off the street and I found some of those people were not the right clients for me and I think you can feel pressure when you start like I just want to win the work I just want to take the work yeah Um, you had a client that just wanted a kind of quick fix kind of solution whereas actually especially given your business name is literally called Dive Deeper Development oh, you wanted to look below, beneath the surface but the that. alarm bell should have been ringing I thought well I need to I need to find business and I mustn't uh, be nervous about just grabbing you know business and just going out there but this person uh, um, they had done every other type of coaching and therapy available they'd literally done tick tick them all <laughs> off and were moving on to the next one and done nothing with them and actually I think that's quite common so for me it wasn't great for meeting the right people it wasn't great for earning money to be perfectly honest was well, actually quite a different experience so when I first started there was a couple of things I did and um, one of them we're going to talk about in a minute um, but one of the ways that I started out was going on a site called people per hour to be honest I think it probably was slightly better five years ago when I was using it just from anecdotal evidence now I don't use it anymore because I don't need it but when I first started um, Squarespace was relatively new in the UK um, and so I, I used People Per Hour and I actually got quite a lot of decent work from it. And in fact, one of the websites that I made using a People Per Hour client is still one of my biggest referring websites to this day. So I get a lot of people clicking on the link at the bottom of the site, getting in touch with me because they really like that site. And so I, I found it useful, but again, with a caveat. So. What, what I read at the time was most people were getting kind of one in every 18 jobs they went for, but I was getting one in three. And, I, and that was because I was being really targeted and really selective with the jobs I went for. So I set up a keyword search for Squarespace. And so I would, that, that was the first thing. I only went for Squarespace things. I didn't just do general websites. I was actually still at that point doing other websites, but on people per hour, I was just doing Squarespace. So I set up a keyword, so then I already knew that I didn't have to do the kind of sell, as it were, on why you should use Squarespace. It was already people who were using it and knew they wanted to use it. So they were already kind of closer to my ideal target audience. I think the niche aspect must have helped. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, I would only go for posts where they'd put a really clear 
job description or you know, pro- you know project description and they were really clear on what they wanted and also only for projects where there was a decent amount of money involved not like millions but you know enough uh, that, that was kind of comparable to the rates I was charging and the thing to remember with sites like people per hour is they do take a percentage commission and it's one of these where the more you use it the less commission you pay so when I was using it I was applying for jobs, I was, I was making sure I was writing a specific proposal for each one, I wasn't doing any copying and pasting, and I was highlighting what made me different. So you're competing with people from all over the world on sites like these, so they can compete on price because a lot of their overheads and living costs living are lower. Costs are but with that comes a disadvantage, you know, they're in different time zones. Languages. Perhaps, yeah, exactly, language barriers. Um, just general kind of quality as well sometimes. I think, you know, some people are quite happy to just go for quick, cheap, low quality but actually one I was emphasizing the things that made me different and the things that set me apart and why I was worth paying a bit more for and that meant that the people that I actually wanted to work with tended to gravitate towards my proposals as well so it worked really well and I just kind of played by people per hours rules and so I did all my invoicing through the site I did my messaging through the site I you know clicked on proposals quite quickly and submitted them and and basically they reward you for using the site. And so the more you use it, the more they promote you. So I was in the top 500 sellers worldwide at one point, just because I was playing by their rules and I was getting more inquiries than I could even deal with. And then after a while I got my own network and I didn't need it anymore. And so you know, they were still taking a commission. And so I thought, well, I don't need that. I started to get more work locally um, rather than you know people hours all over the world. So it just came to a natural end, but actually for me, it was quite useful. You can see how you got a build there from the beginning. I think that picking the right jobs is key. Yeah. I think using the site in the way it's intended, they give you tips about how to use them, and I think you have to follow those. I think so, yeah. I think there's a skill to writing proposals as well, and I think it's worth probably investing a bit of time in doing that. But that helped you build up a portfolio, and then you were able to demonstrate the value that you had. And if nothing else, you can use it as an opportunity to do research, so you can see what kinds of work people are looking for, and maybe identify some gaps in the market that you could create a product to solve so that's the other thing is actually even if you don't do work through there it's a good way of doing some some kind of market research yeah would you suggest picking because there's lots of those sites out there and I started a register on a few I never put any effort in but um, in fact I should have deleted the profiles a long time (laughs) ago but um, would you recommend picking one site and going for it or would you say you could probably like mastering that particular site I would or would you go maybe use two or three or I would suggest starting with what I would say maybe have a look at all of them because different ones will have subtly different customers on them so depending on your industry you might find that okay website people tend to go on people per hour more whereas graphic designers tend to go on Upwork or whatever it's called um, so maybe have a look at those you know and also like in facebook groups and stuff if you, you know if you're joining networks ask other people what their experiences have been if they're in your industry they can probably tell you what the right sites are or the best sites are if you wanted to go down that route um but once you've had a look around and kind of got a feel for which one seems to work for you then i would say yeah just stick with one and try that for a while Mastery. and again it's not as necessarily a quick win and you can take on some really little jobs. So I did do, when I first started, I did a couple of really small jobs just to get my ratings up. So, you know, ones where I thought, okay, it's really easy, you know, connecting a domain up or something like that. Um, just doing that. But actually one of those did lead to a massive piece of work eventually because I did a really good job on the small job and then that led to a big piece of work. So yeah, don't be too too picky. Yeah, I think so, yeah. 
Um, so that's yeah. So sites like People Per Hour and so on and so forth. I mean, there's also agencies as well. Are agencies something you've used? I've not had any experience with agencies. No. I mean, I I have heard from other freelancers who've maybe worked in say a web design agency. So 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 agencies as in agencies who will kind of place you in in job roles. Um, not to be confused with web design agencies and graphic design agencies. Um, but I know that, that that people who have worked in graphic design and web agencies then often use other agencies to place them in contracts. But what they find is, I think sometimes when you're, because agencies do tend to be more of like a long-term freelancing kind of contract or a, a longer-term project rather than a one-off job. Um, what I've heard people say is it's it's kind of swapping one constraint for another. So yes, maybe you can charge a bit more, but you're still you're still kind of working for someone else almost someone else, yeah. yeah um I've, d- I've done jobs i haven't gone through the agency i've done jobs where people i've been working with have been sourced through an agency so i found that 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 work through my contacts they've come through an agency um to be fair i think if they've come to that that same work i did through an agency they're they're, they're probably very happy some of the work has been good there's some been been some good people there so as you say some people want don't necessarily want to be freelance some people would like to have a contract and yeah to employment or they're quite happy to take on a block of work for a period of time and i think just see what you know it depends on what your skills are yeah if you if you're like making yourself miserable trying to find work and there's somebody who can you know place you in a job for a nominal fee or you know their commission or whatever then yeah maybe that is the right option for you um, so good just watch out for like if they obviously they obviously want to charge a fee it's yeah. fair they helped you find the work um so just look out for that you can also use things like job boards as well and again i've seen work posted up there so i've done some really good projects posted up uh, either on linkedin or by joining the right groups yeah. but also um on on websites as well again you've got to think about whether that's the kind of work you want to do yeah. uh, there's going to be a lot of people going for it but it can be a great way of doing things especially if you think that you've got the skills that are needed for that job and you can set yourself apart from people and i think just what whatever of those approaches you take it just makes sense to personalize your approach so don't just do the copy and paste thing it's just the same as if you're applying for a job as an employee you know, don't just send the same covering letter and CV. Personalise it, whatever you do, I think. Yeah. And Joey, you know, one thing I've done in the past is forego uh, the agency. I've gone online, looked at companies I'd like to work with and just targeted by what I can offer to them. They're a good fit for me. I'm a good fit for them. And I've done a very, very personalised, like you say, bit like stalking yeah I've very personalized <laughs> speculative application yeah just say hey yeah. i noticed you're doing this i here's what i can offer yeah i think so. should we have a chat i've made them a personalized video with their company name in it yeah and they love it so. yeah exactly um one thing that annoys me is when i get emails from somebody who has obviously taken the time to kind of research my business but they'll maybe send something and it's very you know but it's otherwise quite generic and saying like oh hi we've got these services wonder if you'd be interested and if it seems just a bit generic, then I'm, I'm probably not going to reply to it because I don't want to end up getting into a conversation with this person. I'm just like, no. But then when you get three or four other ones, I get it a lot for um, people wanting to write guest posts for their website. When I don't reply, they then send three or four more emails. And at that point, that really turns me off working with them. So I think, you know, again, maybe send an email, maybe follow it up once with a phone call or another email. But if you haven't had a response by then, the message has probably got through. And there's, I would say, don't don't 
don't keep bombarding people with. They haven't done you the courtesy of replying, then they're not that interested. Yeah, in you're exactly. Probably going to take up a lot of your time. Yeah. Um, so I think they're the kind of as sort of relatively low cost options, or where there's no kind of real cost up front, but maybe they take a commission. And then the other option in terms of getting clients is, of course, paid marketing. Um, and I think if you've you know got the budget and you need your phone to ring like today, then there are paid options. Yeah, so Google AdWords would be the obvious one. Um, we, we know some people who own a website business. They started by spending a lot of money on Google AdWords. They had a product to sell. They were ready to go. And they said, yeah, look, you've got to commit to it. You've got to have a budget for it and expect to pay for it. I would also suggest that things like AdWords or Facebook advertising, I think there was a bit of skill into creating good adverts yeah. and knowing how to write the copy, selecting good images. I think there's something about, you know, split testing your adverts to see which ones work but they did say that if you do it right it, the phone rings yeah. tomorrow and you're, and you're up and running obviously you still have to do the final conversion bit like it's not magic it doesn't get you know a google advert doesn't send out an invoice and get a customer paying you still have to be able to then express in, the value yeah more. so it gets the customer to you but you still need to be able to convert that customer so you still need to know yeah what value you offer what your what your customers are looking for you know it's so i think it's not a shortcut to not doing any of that work but it's a shortcut to finding people if you're struggling to find them organically i would say um so yeah it's google adwords and then advertising on facebook twitter instagram um all of that um I mean, when I first started out, I got a lot of people asking if I wanted to have a, a, an advert in a printed magazine. Oh, yeah, that happens. Like, whenever you set up a new business and yeah. you put yourself on Google Business or you put yourself on the internet, I guarantee you will have <laughs> people ring you and email you asking, do you want to put an article in a magazine? I have not met anyone who set up a business, put it on online directories and hasn't had that offer. Yeah, from yeah. And so, you know, maybe for a very specific type of business where you know there's a trade magazine that is read by a lot of people, then that could work. But um, I mean, I would probably suggest approaching them to write a guest post rather than and having adverts. an advert. Um, but you know, if, if, if that could be relevant to your target audience, if, if you think that they would look at an advert in a magazine like that, then perhaps it is worth doing. But I'm suspecting that most of the people that are listening to this podcast are probably not in that sphere. Yeah, um, I, the advice I was given, don't go for it. I think like you say, it's about targeting where you spend yeah. your money and your time. It's um, hard to get, like with a lot of, with, with your paid, sorry Michelle, um, but with the, with, the paid, with the Google adverts and the Facebook and stuff, you're paying um, to have it, but you get a ton of information back about who's clicking where and what they're clicking and what time of day they're clicking and who they are. They're inside like, like Yeah, exactly. They're, you're getting so much information back. But if you put a print advert, you don't get any of those metrics. You either get a phone call or you don't, or you get an email or you don't. Yeah. You don't know whether people are clicking and then stopping before they get to a certain point. You, you don't get any of their demographic information. So I think online paid advertising, you get so much back. Even if you don't get a sale, you get so much information back that can help you to then improve your ad campaign. Yeah, and be aware of like doing things for awareness or raise your profile. It's like, fine, but that's quite a lot of money. Like you say, you're not in control of that process. Yeah. So that's quite an expensive way of raising your profile. Well, as we've discussed, blogging, vlogging, guest posting can be so much, so much easier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, social media advertising, I've been told, I, I've done a little bit, and it's all right, actually, you do get do get traffic from it. Yeah. I don't think I'm very good at it. I think I, if I were to do it again, I would pay someone else 
to, to craft help. the advert to manage them for me and that could probably pay for itself you know if you're more likely to get the business yeah then, yeah. yeah exactly um, and then I guess the other option is paying to actually have a presence at tr- sort of trade or industry events. So we've talked about in the in the kind of network side of it, attending events to meet other people. But actually, if you're looking to enhance your credibility and reach a big group of people, then actually having a presence or being a speaker at a larger event can also be quite useful. And you do get quite a lot of phone calls sometimes saying, do you want to be a speaker at our event? Do you want to have a stand at our event? And... Um, as you say, it's same principle as the, 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 the print ads. Yeah. And actually, there's a couple of events where I've sought them out rather than them contacting me. I think that's better. Um, so when I first started, I knew that I needed something to kickstart me and to kind of get me out there. And I really wanted to be able to talk to people that were my target audience to find out what their needs were and to almost check the validity of my business model. Um and so I actually approached an event called the Business Startup Show, which was in Excel in London. So a massive, massive trade event um, and said, oh, you know, are you looking for speakers? And they said, oh, yeah, you can be a speaker, but you have to spend all this money on a stand um, in order to be a speaker. But I had a look at the website and I had a look at the demographics and I just thought, do you know what? This is like literally my perfect target audience and I'm not gonna have another opportunity to speak to them. So I spent quite a lot of money on a stand to be able to get the stand and the speaking slot to get access to my target audience. And actually it did pay for itself. The only thing that I found was it didn't pay for itself quickly enough. Yeah. So, um, so cash flow. So yeah, yeah, cash flow is tricky. But if I'd had that money and I, didn't, I wasn't relying on that money, that would certainly have been a good marketing investment. And then more recently I did another event at the Mums Enterprise Roadshow because um, for both from Freelance Folk and The Wheel Exists, one of my target audiences I want to work with more is mums. Um, and so that was a really good value. Uh, they let me have the two stands for the price of two, two one stand but with the two brands for yeah. the price of one. They gave me a speaking slot during a workshop. And that was great because I got access to, again, people that I wanted to talk to and people that I wanted to work with. So I would say it can be useful. You have to be really targeted, just like with everything else that we've talked yeah. about. And like it's interesting what you're saying about the money that you didn't need to rely on, you didn't need it back straight away. Because um, sometimes these are learning experiences. I, I know some ladies that um, uh, run a weight loss business, they went to have a stand at a wedding fair thinking, oh, brides wanting to um, you know, lose weight for the big day. They, they said they got the brand out there, but they didn't really get a lot of business from it. So they, they appreciated that they could raise the profile. It didn't have a monetary return. And um, most people I know who have done that said, well, probably wouldn't do it again. They thought their perfect audience would be there. It turned out that it wasn't necessarily yeah. the case. The people at that show, it turns out, were so focused on getting the right chair covers, the right dress. They weren't wanting to, they didn't go to the show for that purpose. Yeah, so yeah. Something to bear in mind with that as well. Yeah, I think if you learn, you learn. If you can speak to somebody who's had a stand there before as well, that is similar to you, maybe not the same industry, but similar size to you and see how they found it, that's probably going to be really useful. Yeah, um, definitely. To do that. So, so I guess this hasn't been, this, I mean, obviously there's so much more we could talk about in terms of getting clients, um, but hopefully that's, this, this kind of helps you get started. So if you're a new freelancer or if maybe it's giving you some ideas, even if you're experienced and kind of planted a few seeds and ideas, food for thought on how you can get new clients. 
It's, yeah, or reminded you of things that maybe you were doing or haven't done for a while. Hopefully that's given us a few options. I think it's just a few things as we finish off to consider. The first one is uh, money versus time. So we've talked about that. If you want to get the phone ringing straight away, you may have to spend some money. Bear in mind that you might not get a return immediately, but but that's if you, if you spend money, you can usually get results quicker. On the other hand, if you don't have a lot of money, but you do have time, then you might want to go from the small organic slower burn ones but they do yield great results with building relationships and i think also like we've mentioned i would say start as you mean to go on so like start by creating your ideal clients now and going after your ideal clients from the beginning don't get sucked into getting into a kind of you know referrals are great but if you're getting referrals within the kind of industry you're not wanting to work in that's not so great. So don't get stuck in that loop if you can avoid it. Definitely. I, I think there's a, that trade-off, isn't there? There's an opportunity cost. You, If you want to pay the bills, you want to get work, you want to get experience under your belt, but there is an opportunity cost. If you take on work that isn't the right work for you or isn't paying the amount that you want, if something else comes up, you're not able to take it because exactly. you're committed. So bear that in mind as well. There's a little bit of balancing act, a little bit of nerve required as well. Definitely. Anything else, Michelle, that you think we need to think about? I think that's probably enough for now. But again, as always, do get in touch with us uh, if you want to discuss any more or um, use the hashtag freelance SOS. If you have any suggestions or ways that you got clients that we haven't covered and will be really valuable to people, we're happy to, to chat that through. We'd love to hear. And remember, you can say hello to me, Katie, on Twitter at The Wheel Exists. And me, Michelle, at Dive Deep depth which is d-i-v-e-d-e-e-p-d-e-v-p um on twitter as well if you'd like to discuss anything that we've covered off today and to make sure you catch any of our upcoming episodes or to listen to previous episodes check us out 99 problems but a boss ain't one wherever you listen to podcasts and if you can subscribe that really helps us as well great well that's all from us goodbye everybody and we hope to see you on the next episode